Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 94th episode of the 5 Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Shaw Bell, and my goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is stand-up comedian, radio host, and author D.L. Hewley. Born in Portsmouth, Virginia, D.L. grew up in South Central Los Angeles where he spent his teenage years in a gang and eventually was kicked out of high school. After turning his life around, which we will explore in this episode, he got his first job at the Los Angeles Times. From there, he hosted Comic View on BET before writing and starring in the TV sitcom series The Hewleys. D.L. went on to star in the Spike Lee film The Original Kings of Comedy with co-stars Steve Harvey, Cedric the Entertainer, and Bernie Mac. More recently, he is the host of the talk show The D.L. Hewley Show, which is syndicated in more than 60 markets and is the author of the new book Surrender White People. I caught up with D.L. to learn more about his perspectives on the political and social issues that America is facing right now for this podcast episode. After joining a gang and getting kicked out of high school as a teenager, how were you able to turn your life around so that you could pursue your career? If I said that I had anything to do with it, I would be lying. I think I was incredibly fortunate. I found a woman I loved. I found a thing I loved. I found a purpose because I think all of that is just a part of wanting to be integral, wanting to be important to something, wanting to matter and wanting um, to feel a part of something. And it just was more important to me to be uh, the things I was aspiring to be than to be a detriment. So it just kind of fell away. In the last episode of this podcast, Al Roker told me that his father said to him in high school, you're going to have to work twice as hard and be twice as good to get half as far as the white kid next to you. Does this statement reflect your life experience? And if so, what did you have to do in order to overcome it? I don't think that there is a black family that at some point hasn't heard, at least, uh, you know, and generationally that hadn't heard that, that mantra. And, and you had to work twice as hard to get half as far as almost like we were all raised by the same families. Like even today, I know that there are very few people um, who are capable about working me. And most of that is attributable to the way that my father raised me. I think my father arguably was the hardest working man that ever existed in my estimation. And all I've ever done is try to model myself after that kind of mindset. And I think even if you look at just how things happen, I think that it's consistent. Data backs it up that white men with high school diplomas make more money than black men with college degrees. And it's across the board and there has to be a reason for that. But knowing that it's already kind of baked into the equation, it is kind of comforting to know what the rules are. And then that gives you that uh, a sense of direction and an idea of what you have to do. And I think that what's missing for a lot of people is that baseline of truth that gives them the beacon that they need to be assertive and they need to be pushing forward and they need to always be showing and pr- improving uh, their work, their worth and their value. 
and the killing of George Floyd created a national conversation about racism, oppression, and inequality that existed in our society for over 400 years. What can individuals and institutions do to address these issues in order to create a more inclusive, equal, and prosperous society? There's a mantra we use all the time. If you see something, say something. And now it's if you see something, do something. I think that because knowing something is so much easier than saying it out loud, I think people kind of close their eyes. But now we clearly know and can see. I, I read a um, a Fox News poll, so I would imagine that it's probably a little higher in other places that 56% of Americans believe that racism was a problem in this country or that America was a racist country. And I think it took a pandemic and people not having other distractions along with the length of the death, excruciating death of George Floyd to finally make America see that we weren't lying, <laughs> that people felt that way. And I think uh, now the blinders are off and people have different perspectives than they otherwise would have. And speaking of race issues, you've tackled these issues throughout your entire career as an entertainer. Why do you think comedy is such an effective vehicle for addressing the social and political issues we face? I think it's the only way people listen. Listen, America's addicted to sugar because it likes sweet things. It, it hates pain, so it's addicted to painkillers. Um, and so I think comedy is a way of satiating our need for saccharine or sweet things, but not making us feel as bad. So in essence, it, it embodies both those things. Where where it's sweet is satisfying and pain and uh, the, you know the truth uh, is is kind of like the opiate and the the laughter is kind of like the sweet thing, but both have the same effect of not letting people feel the brunt of what you're talking about. I think Mark Twain is a perfect example of a, of a man who used humor to talk about the ills of society. And he's really to a great degree what I pattern my kind of outlook after because I think that there has to be a serving of truth and a serving of, of sweet so that people can accept it. It's like aspirin and orange juice. And what's your best piece of career advice? Uh, the best piece of career advice I ever got was from uh, Chris Rock. And he said, you don't have to know what you will do, just know what you won't. There are certain things that I just will not do. Uh, there, there are certain product projects I wouldn't take, certain lines I won't cross, certain ideas I won't give up. And one of the reasons I do what I do in the, in the forms that I do them in is because I want a level of control. I don't want any one thing to be able to say, we demand that you do it this way, and then my family suffers financially because I say I won't do it. Just I think that being a, kind of the master of your own destiny is so important. The last few projects I've pitched, and even even this last book, Surrender White People, that's a very edgy title. It was hard for some people to get around, and and they tried to know, but I but I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew what I wouldn't do. Uh, with my with my how not to get shot and other advice for white people. It was the same thing and I wrote in two thousand twelve I did the endangered list. And those pitches seem provocative when you're pitching them out to people and trying to get people to buy into create your creative vision of it. But not willing to sacrifice that kind of creative through line, I think, is why they were successful. Even with my radio show, even with the things that I believe in and do, they're things that I won't do. I just think that uh, 
that was the best career advice. It was it was like when my father told us you had to work twice as hard to get half as far. It's so much easier to know what you won't do because that is a that is so final. But it's a, it has a specificity that I think travels well, and I think the will part is more nuanced. And if you don't set those boundaries, you could end up in a totally different path than what you would imagine. And hate your Absolutely. life and that will hurt your happiness and family yep. and everything right. else that you love. And all of that. And yeah. all of that is just in one finite reality. Everything you said is encompassed in that, in that kind of retaining wall that you know uh, you can't cross. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, DL. To follow his journey, you can read his book, Surrender White People, and find him on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, where he shares political and social commentary, appearances, news articles, clips from his radio show, and important voices in the African-American community. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now.